Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. again to Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy. I'm the managing editor of the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. We've got a very special show on tap for you today. Uh, The legendary songwriter and composer Mike Stoller, uh, part of the iconic songwriting team Lieber and Stoller, who really basically responsible for, uh, you know, so much of what happened with the rock and roll era uh, you know, back in the 50s and the 60s, uh, is going to be joining us on the program. Uh, basically, uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of different things. First off, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I found out a couple of weeks ago when how we set up this interview uh, was that uh, Mike, Mike Stoller is actually from Rockaway. He was born in Bell Harbor, so we'll talk a little bit about that. His move to Los Angeles and meeting uh, – you know, uh, the, you know, the other half of the team, uh, Jerry Lieber, who's no longer with us, who passed away in 2011. We're also going to talk about uh, Smokey Joe's Cafe, which is the uh, basically uh, the Broadway's longest-running musical review uh, that is now um, running off-Broadway, uh, the revival of Smokey Joe's Cafe, which is uh, playing at uh, Stage 42 in Times Square. I, I went to see the show last night, was blown away. It was absolutely fantastic and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, really, it was, you know, I, I go to a lot of Broadway shows. I, I've I've been an actor. I've, I've worked off Broadway myself, so I'm a hard marker. You know, I'm not going to just go to something and be like, wow, that was great. Uh, but the show really is very strong. Of course, the music, uh, you know, is is legendary, uh, and you know I keep using that word, but it, it is. And you know the 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 fact of the matter is is that the cast, the ensemble, is just so good. Uh, the crowd was into it from the beginning of the show till the end. Uh, and they got a standing ovation, and I was certainly happy to be part of that standing ovation for the show. So again, uh, if you are looking for a great time, uh, great music, you know, definitely head on to head out to Stage 42 in Times Square, New York City, to see Smokey Joe's Cafe. We're just waiting for Mike to call in. He has the number, so. Uh, he's probably very busy, maybe even writing another legendary rock and roll song. Uh, but it's funny because, and I'll ask Mike this when he joins us on the show. Um, you know, I'll ask him this, but but what's interesting to 
which is interesting to me, um, in any case, uh, about all of this is that when they talk about you know the great music of that era, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know some of these some of these artists, uh, you know, stealing uh, the music, you know, from from other artists or you know, uh, you know, the different different. You know, I, I always would fight with people who would say, oh, Elvis ripped off Big Mama Thornton or Elvis ripped off this other artist. When at the end of the day, you know, it was, and I, I try to, it's very painful to try to argue with people, but Lever and Stoller wrote all of those songs. And they didn't write them specifically for anyone, um, you know, not all of them anyway. Um, and you know they just they, it's it's almost as if they they came together. Lieber was the was the word guy, and Stoller was the composer. You know um, you know the person who put together the music, and with words and music together, they created this great catalog, this American songbook of of rock and roll music. And what what I'm most interested in, uh, you know, for myself, because you won't find a bigger Elvis Presley fan uh, than myself. Um, you know, I love Elvis and, and, and love every aspect of his career, but really enjoy, um, you, know, the, the, you know, the early part of his career. I really enjoyed that part of his career. And, and joining us right now on the show is, again, I keep saying it, but it's true, the legendary Mike Stoller. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show, and, and, and thanks for coming on. Thank you, Mark. Now, you know, what, what, what was surprising to me, like I, I, as a fan of Elvis Presley and as a fan of that era of music, I really always knew who Mike Stoller and, 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 and you know, Jerry Lieber, what, who they were as far as the fact that you guys wrote those songs. What I did not know was that you're originally from Rockaway. Uh, yeah, I was born at uh, Bell Harbor Hospital. That that's amazing. And uh, when when did you when how long did you live here? Uh, I lived in Bell Harbor till I was about four. <laughs> and uh, so you have a lot I, of memories. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. I lived at Beach 132nd Street, um, and it was uh, at the end of the street by Jamaica Bay, and uh, at the end of each street. At that time, there were just rocks and uh, and sand, and uh, not you know it was each street ended at the bay. There was no road alongside the bay at that time. Wow! Wow! And I lived between there and I guess what the next street was Cronston. Yeah. And uh, and it was a like a three block walk to the ocean to the ocean beach and um i moved to sunnyside in queens when i was about four i actually moved along with my parents <laughs> and when did you make the move when did you make the move to la uh at 16 again with my parents Right. And I lived in L.A. at that time for about eight years, during which time I met Jerry Lieber in 1950, and uh, then moved to Manhattan 
for 32 years and then moved back to L.A. where I reside right now. You know, I was I was talking to the folks uh, before you joined the show that I actually went to go see Smokey Joe's Cafe last night at Stage 42. And, you oh, know, yes. I love the music. Oh, it was great. It was really, you'd be proud. And I, I think you'd be proud because not only um, were the performers, the ensemble, uh, the one performer was better than the other, but they they really did some different things. Like they really, um, it's almost as if they found like the version of the song that they liked the best, and that was what they arranged, and what that's how they performed it. It was really good. I I, I absolutely loved it. You should be proud. I am, really I should. am proud. I was there opening night. Uh, flew in uh, the night before and flew back a day a day later. And uh, I loved it. I was moved, and I thought the cast was phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you know, I grew up. My dad um, used to hang out with a bunch of guys uh, called the Echoes um, back in the back in the fifties. So I grew up with this music. And you know, uh-huh. people always, people always say to me, "Well, how do you know all the words to all these songs?" Well, you know, because of my dad. I mean, that's what we listen to, right? So I became a huge Elvis Presley fan, huge. Uh, so I knew about I knew about you and Jerry, you know, from back in the day. And I've been reading and doing research, and you know, the stuff that I found out, um, you know, that I found really interesting is that really in the beginning. Um, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the beginning, you weren't really interested in rock and roll at all. Is that correct? Well, you know what? In the beginning, there really wasn't any rock and roll. <laughs> that's that's right, all. I'm right. from the Stone Age, man. <laughs> no, I mean, we were, Jerry and I were writing, to, first of all, blues, just blues right. for because the blues singers that we heard, those were our heroes. I'm talking about uh, Charles Brown and Jimmy Witherspoon, Amos Milburn. Um, these were, you know, our heroes. And we aspired to write songs that would be considered authentic um, in the blues field. Well, obviously, along the way, we started uh, writing things that were more considered rhythm and blues uh, with the vocal groups that we uh, formed, uh, like the Coasters. And, uh, And we actually wrote a lot of comedy material for them. They were like an acting troupe. You know, say we utilize the different personalities and the different voices to play different roles within the songs. So there my dad, oh, like, my dad grew up. In, yeah, my dad grew up in Brooklyn, and he always said that they would see the coasters driving around town, you know, waving to everyone, and and like he always talks about that, you know, how uh, how friendly they were and how outgoing they were. And I think I read in an interview that you did that you, whether it was you or, or Jerry, actually said that the coasters were your alter ego? Is, is, that, is that something that, that you remember saying? Or? I, I, I think Jerry might have said that because, you know, it was our sense of humor uh, 
translated into songs that that they enacted on on the a forty five record. Right. Yeah. You remember forty five records? <laughs> yes, I, I I'm I'm I, I just turned fifty, so I'm I'm no I'm no spring chicken oh, either. Oh, you're an old but, man. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, I have such a, as I said, I have such a great appreciation for everything that that you both accomplished, and it's so important that you know the words and the music they go together, and you know that's how you know partnerships, that's how successful partnerships are formed in, in the in the music business. And something recently I, I was talking uh, about with a, a friend of mine. And it was uh, because there's this group called the, uh, the, the, the Avet Brothers. And they're two brothers that write songs together and they perform. And they're, they're kind of a cult you know, group that we started listening to recently, myself and my family. And during the documentary, they said something along the lines of uh, that great, the great partnerships um, between you know, people who write songs together, McCartney and Lennon and, you know, uh, you know, the Bee Gees and all these different people that had these relationships, that they they were difficult relationships. How was the relationship with you and Jerry? I mean, was it something that, were you guys friends the whole time um, until he passed? Were there times that you guys didn't get along? I mean, what what kind of dynamic did that relationship have for you guys? Oh, it was, it was uh, one of, uh, it was more like brothers because we met, we were 17 years old. Uh, we met on the phone, actually. Uh, I had played a dance in East L.A., and uh, the drummer took my phone number. It was it paid $3, and I was looking forward to making some more $3 gigs. Uh, however, uh, the drummer was in at Fairfax High School, and he had a friend named Jerry Lieber, and he gave Jerry Lieber my phone number and said that I could write music, uh, which I didn't, I didn't know that has happened. And I got a phone call from uh, Jerome Lieber, and he wanted to ascertain that I could write music, that I played the piano, uh, or at least that I played the piano at that dance in East Los Angeles, and that I could write notes on paper, uh, music notes. And I said, yeah, I can do that. And we went through all of that, and then he said, well, I'm Jerome Lieber, and I write lyrics. How would you like to write songs with me? And I said, no, not really. And he said, well, why not? I said, I don't like the songs I hear on the radio, uh, which I didn't. There's a, back in Perry Como and stuff like that. And right. um, he said, well, what do you like? And I was being a bit pretentious and a bit honest. I said, well, I like Bartok, Stravinsky, Charlie Parker, and Thelonious Monk. <laughs> and, and fortunately, which I did, and fortunately, right. I was a bebop fan, although my first interest in music was blues and boogie-woogie piano. Right. But um, 
he said, well, nevertheless, I think we ought to meet. <laughs> and I'll always be grateful for that word, nevertheless. And I said, hey, you want to come over? Come over. Uh, I know this didn't happen this way, but in my memory, the doorbell was ringing as I hung up the phone. Uh, anyway, he finally arrived at my door and came in, and he had a speckled composition book, you know, with lined paper. And I said, are those your lyrics? He said, uh, yes. I said, well, let me take a look at them. I was being a, a bit aggressive. And I said, hey, wait a minute. These are blues. These are 12-bar blues. you got a line, a line of ditto marks, and then a rhyming line. That's 12-bar blues. I love the blues. I went to the piano and started playing some blues, and he started sort of singing along. And we shook hands and said, we'll be partners. That was the first time we met. And we were partners for 61 years, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing because, you know, there are marriages that don't last that long. You know, there are uh, well, father had, and son relationships. He had one that didn't, or he had a couple that didn't last that long, and I had one that didn't <laughs> last that long. But uh, I'm very happily married to my second wife for 47 years now. No, God bless. God bless. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you get. I, I, I know. I know. I don't. Even, I don't have to say. I'm sure. I know that you get questions about Elvis uh, Presley all the time. You get questions about, oh, what was he really? What was he really like? Well, that, that I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to say, what was he really Elvis. like? <laughs> of course. Well, uh, you know, like everybody else, the people have multiple aspects to their personalities. Sure. I can just say that um, in my experience with Elvis, uh, we met him after he had done Hound Dog, which, as you probably know, was written for Big Mama Thornton and became a number right. one R&B uh, record in 1953. And Elvis's record came out in 56. And uh, then the music publishers who kind of controlled Elvis Presley music asked if we had anything else. And Jerry remembered a song we had recorded with a, uh, uh, a, a duet. Actually, they had been in a gospel group, and we... Uh, recorded them and they did a song called Love Me and yeah, which I love. we submitted it and they said Elvis loved the song and he recorded it and then we wrote a song for a movie called Loving You uh, after which they gave us a script to a, a movie which was titled Ghost of a Chance and we wrote four songs for that uh, one afternoon in a hotel room in New York, and they changed the title of the film to one of our the title of one of our songs, which was Jailhouse Rock. 
Right. And he wanted to meet us at that point. And uh, he was out in L.A. recording uh, stuff, and he wanted us to be at the studio when he did uh, the four songs that uh, we had written for that film. And we hit it off right away. I mean, he was super polite, uh, and we found out that he knew a lot of stuff about the blues that we didn't assume any of the white kids knew. Um, and the one thing we had to do is to say to to him, Elvis, I'm Mike, and he's Jerry. Don't call us sir. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very polite southern boy. Uh, and I got to know him a bit more because um, through uh, one thing or another, I ended up playing the role of the piano player in the movie Jailhouse Rock. Yes, and so yes, I, I recall. <laughs> we, would, we would hang out a bit, you know, on on the set and have some time you know, to talk about songs. And, uh, in fact, uh, one uh, one Friday afternoon, he said, Mike, write me a real pretty ballad, won't you? I said, you got it. And I called Jerry uh, that evening. We got together Saturday and wrote a song called Don't. And then we got hold of a a singer, uh, Young Jesse was his name, uh, who had been in various groups. And um, we recorded it on Sunday, and I handed it to him on Monday. And he loved the song and recorded it. That's a great song, and I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly grateful because I used, to, I, I sang that, I sing that all the time. Well, I sang oh, it all the time great. to my little, my, my kids when they were babies. So like ah. the, the, the bass in it, you know, really calmed them down, and used to, I used to put them to sleep with it. So, um, <laughs> I, like I said, I was a, I, let me, let me ask you because you know, uh, I'm always interested in these kinds of things. You know, I know that you. Uh, always preferred uh, Big Mama Thornton's version of Hound Dog uh, to Elvis's. Uh, I read that. Um, but here's something I didn't read, not because I always fight with you know friends of mine who are Elvis fans. Which version of Treat Me Nice do you like that was recorded by Elvis? The one that they did for the film, where you, the claps are actually in it when they're recording it in the studio, or the produced version that doesn't have the claps? Well... Uh, you know what? Uh, the only one I really remember was the one we did in the studio. Right. And uh I I can't I can't really answer that question because I guess I've heard it uh you know, different times. Um Well, it's but, only uh, been you can only see it in the film. Because I think it's only on one album. It's one of those tracks that were lost for a long time. Um, the one that they 
do in the studio with with um, you know the 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 actress that that passed away right after the film was released. Um, you know, there's oh, also a scene, Judy, of, Judy, yeah. Judy Tyler. She was great. I yes. really liked yeah. her. Terrific gal. Yeah, it was a tragedy. So let's let's move on. You know, because I could talk about Elvis for hours. Uh, let's talk about uh, <laughs> um, the Drifters uh, because they're another phenomenal group, uh, especially Benny King. Um, you know, because you also did uh, you know great great music with him uh, as a solo artist as well as with the Drifters. Right. Um, what was it about the Drifters? Um, that uh, spoke to you and and Jerry about you know writing for them. Well, the first time we wrote specifically for the Drifters was before it was an older group, an earlier group. It was after Clyde McFadder, but uh, I think it was uh, Johnny Johnny Moore. I think was his name. Uh, who did Fools Fall in Love. Uh, we didn't produce that record, but we wrote the song um, in 19... Well, it was in New York after I had come into New York uh, on the Andrea Doria, the ship that sank. You've heard about that, right? Oh, sure, and I read the story about that they thought you went down with the ship. <laughs> yeah, well, at any rate, Jerry and I stayed in New York uh, for most of the fall of that year. And um, I think Ahmet Ertigan and Jerry Wexler, who owned Atlantic Records, were right. doing a session with uh, Drifters, and we gave them that song. And... Uh, you know, then we did some other recording with uh, versions of that group, and then apparently, sometime in the late fifties, there ceased to be a Drifters, and the management of the Drifters uh, were advised by Atlantic say. You know, we haven't had a Drifters record. We needed Drifters. So they grabbed a group called The Crowns and said, Poof, you're the Drifters. <laughs> and they became the Drifters. And, of course, uh, one of their lead singers was uh, Benjamin Nelson, uh, who became known as Ben E. King. And uh, I loved his voice because he had such a mature style, you know, for a young guy. And uh, I just loved it. And we started recording that group. Uh, well, actually, the first record we made was There Goes My Baby, uh, in which we... Uh, got the idea that uh, it needed something different, and we put in some strings, uh, some violins, and a cello. And um, <laughs> the guys at Atlantic, that is Amit and Jerry, uh, Jerry Wexler, uh, heard the record, and Jerry Wexler 
specifically went crazy. He said, what are you trying to do? <laughs> throwing our money away? What is it? Sounds like you got three stations going at the same time. This is garbage. And we said, look, well, look you know, it, it really has something to it. And they released a different record uh, or a, a record with just a rhythm section as the A-side and put There Goes My Baby on the back and it just the disc jockeys just turned it over and played that side, and it, became, it went number one pop and R&B, everything. And so then we started to record them with big string sections, and we did songs, uh, a number of which were written by our good friend Doc Pomus and his partner Mort Schumann. Like they're... Um, like, uh, Saved the Last Dance for Me, in particular, I remember, and a few others that also did very well. And then Ben got a manager who, uh, and he left the group, and the manager called us and said, would you be willing to record Ben as a single? And we said, sure. And our first uh, record date uh, included... Uh, of the four songs we did, included both Spanish Harlem and Stand By Me. So we were off to a good start with Ben. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and Stand By Me would be recorded by John Lennon. And I remember, uh, and we're, we're going to lose the live audience. I just want to let people know that uh, you can hear this interview in full in just a few minutes after we're done. Uh, but I just want to let people know if you if we cut off uh, from the live audience, uh, the podcast is being recorded and you can hear it in full. Uh, just to, You're just kidding. I didn't know this was live. <laughs> oh, it's live, live. That's the way I okay. do it. That's, you know, I, I grew up in radio, uh, you know, working in, working in live radio. So I love uh, – I like to do it live. Um, the, um Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big fan. In fact, I'm going to send you the link. Uh the opening song of this uh podcast, uh Mike is called Riding the Wave. And I actually uh-huh. wrote the words. I wrote the lyrics oh, to great. it and uh this great musician, uh, local musician in Rockaway, uh Walker Hornung, uh he plays uh the guitar on it and um uh Fred Klinger uh plays uh is also the backup vocals. I believe he plays the drums and Walker is the lead singer and the guitarist and he wrote the music with Klinger. So uh I'd love to get your feedback and you know, be harsh if you have to. But uh you know, for me for me this is a thrill for me because you know, um when we you know, when Mickey Gilly this is I guess the first time I actually did research um about songwriters. Uh, was when Mickey Gillies' um, version of Stand By Me uh, made it uh, to the, I think it was number one, made number one in the, on the country uh, hit, uh, hits, but it was in Urban yeah. Cowboy, yeah, country charts. Yeah. And I remember too. looking it up, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's another version of this song? Like, I, that was the first version I thought that there was, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, so, well, I mean, that must be a thrill to hear so many different versions of the song, even the ones that you don't like. Well, uh, I I like almost all the ones that uh, I remember hearing, but I was particularly thrilled 
to hear the uh, at the royal wedding uh, with uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry uh, that she chose that song. Uh, and a, a wonderful choir in England, the Black Choir, performed it, and it was so beautiful. And it was just, it was lovely. And it was great for that wedding. And uh, I was knocked out by that. Yeah, my wife made me get up and watch it. So <clears throat> I actually did see it as well, and I actually enjoyed it. I, I, at first I was like, why are you waking me up? And then, you know, when uh, we watched it. I had the same feeling that how beautiful it was and how special it was. And um, look, I, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time to, you know, share with us and, uh, you know, a, a, your career and, you know, a, a half an hour isn't really enough uh, to justify, um, you know, what you, what you and, and Jerry brought to the table uh, and, and basically changing the face of American music. So I want to well, thank you it's, uh, it's for your generosity. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, and to reach out to your live audience, which I wasn't even aware of. Well, I uh, I, I I I hate that you didn't know that, but uh, I, I did let them know that we recorded live. So um, great. Uh, I'm, I'm happy you're rolling with it. And, um, uh, <laughs> I just um, I just that. really yeah. uh, feel very privileged to have the opportunity to talk with you today. Thank you so much Thank for coming Thank you on so the show. much. Thank you. Thank you. And that bye was bye. the just the legendary bye bye Mike. Uh the legendary Mike Stoller. Um just very gracious of him to join us. Uh you know, just like I said, I I could talk to that guy for hours about music uh and about you know, just all the different artists that he's worked with and just amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, but uh, again, uh, if you get the opportunity, uh, head out, go see Smokey Joe's Cafe. It's currently playing, as I said, at Stage 42 in Times Square. Um, it's, it's fantastic. You just go to the website, SmokeyJoe'sCafe.com, and they'll give you all the opportunity, all the um, availability of the shows, and you get tickets. And it's a great theater, too. I don't know if, if you've ever been to Stage 42. I've been there several times. It is a great space, and it's a perfect space for this kind of a show. And like I said, I went last night on a Monday night, and the, the crowd was into it. They were enjoying it. And, and, and like I said, they got a standing ovation at the end of the show. So uh, trust me, if I'm standing up and giving somebody, somebody an ovation, they have to be good because, you know, it's just, I, I, like I said, I'm a hard marker, and I really, really enjoyed the show. So, again, um, I want to thank uh, Mike Stoller and everybody from Smokey Joe's Cafe for uh, the availability for Mike today. really want to, um, you know, thank him and, and the rest of that team for making this show possible. And uh, again, you know, we've got a lot of podcasts coming up and you can uh, now get us on Google podcasts. Just download the free app on uh, at the Google play store for Google podcasts. And you can listen to the whole, you know, the whole uh, shebang here. Uh, Riding the wave has been on for the last, you know, four years and we've got over almost 30,000 downloads at this point. So we really want to push that and invite you uh, to take part. We've got 
some uh, interesting podcasts coming up. We're going to talk to Assemblywoman Stacey Pfeffer-Amato next week about her re-election campaign. Lots more stuff coming down the pipe. Thanks again for joining us here on Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy. And don't forget, every Friday, you can read the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893.